2: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with
1: Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta.
2: I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild
0: Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard,
2: which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Road Fantasy Football Podcast, Wednesday edition. After a one-week hiatus, this is Joe Bartle. I am back after my traveling escapades. And joined alongside me is the always dapper, John McKechnie. How are you doing today?
1: <laughs> doing well. It's, uh, it's actually my birthday. So, uh, what? Really? Seriously. I got you a cake. Did you know that? Uh, I mean, it, the receipt said it, it came from my girlfriend, but I mean, uh, Kevin has laid claim to saying that he got it for me. Now you are. got a lot of imposters around the office here trying to take credit for this it's cookie cake. It's not really cake. an
2: imposter thing. I was just trying to look out for your best interests. You know, you're my podcast partner, and I wanted to have your spirits high and sugar filled when this podcast started. Well, so
1: just, I mean, mission accomplished, man. Perfect. B- both. I mean, we're checking both the boxes there.
2: So it's your birthday today. Tom Brady's birthday today, Todd Gurley's birthday today, Mm -hmm. and then as the Call of Duty esports editor extraordinaire, I have to mention that it's also Nadeshot, one of the best players in Call of Duty, former, his birthday today, too. How do you feel about putting your name to all those other great players
1: out there? Um, You know, it's very humbling, um, but it also reminds you that, you know, just greatness can just come from just what day you're born on. And, you know, you're just born with greatness and and really you don't have to work for anything. You just kind of come out on August 3rd and there you are. You're just like a, just Im- immediately an awesome person, uh, except for in the case of Tom Brady, maybe. Yeah, I'm not going
2: to even let you pander <laughs> about yourself anymore. We're going to move on right past this. You and your birthday. We're done with that. Yep. Going on today's top news, Ezekiel Elliott. It's been announced that he's going to miss some time. There's a lot of question marks with that some time being brought up because we don't know how long. Sure. With a hamstring injury, he's had the case of domestic violence issues, kind of. Uh, I mean, floating around a little bit. Now he has this hamstring injury. I I mean, the first thing I think is the Cowboys look stupid taking a running back number four, but they did already way before this point. Anyways, that's not anything new. How do you feel about Ezekiel going down with this hamstring injury? Where do you think it affects him value-wise?
1: Well, I don't think it dings him too much because, uh, I mean, as it sounds right now, Uh, you know, this is something you're going to kind of have to keep your feelers out for. But right now, I mean, as long as he's out there getting some snaps uh, in the first preseason game or second preseason game, I'd be a little bit concerned if he gets held out of the entirety of the first one. Um, But otherwise, I mean, you got Darren McFadden there, he's hurt. You got Alfred Morris, I guess he's going to start mixing in uh with first team reps maybe while really uh, fun well yeah Alfred so Morris, yes. really really exciting stuff there so I mean really at the end of the day th- this is just a camp injury th- these happen uh, in when it comes to rookie running backs you know something that we've said before is uh, you're gonna you, know, you worry about their ability to learn the playbook uh, in time or learn the blocking schemes and things like that and that's something that you don't have to worry so much about with Zeke so uh, with that I- I'm not too too concerned at this point with him
2: yeah that's the main thing for me like as a rookie running back you want to be in there at camp you want to be with the guys you want to be working out with the team and getting you know some camaraderie if nothing else Mm -hmm. and with this injury he's not gonna be in the field he's gonna be in the rehab room and that's gonna make things a little more difficult for him i mean he's he's got so much talent we all know that um but is that gonna affect him week one week two week three could it carry on into the season i don't know how the cowboys are going to treat this i'd assume since he's the number four pick It's going to be a relatively, like, take it easy on him. But is he going to come out a little slower out of the gates? I don't know. I think he's still a first-round talent. We're going to dive into him a little bit more as, uh, as we talk about, you know, the rest of the podcast here. But I'm not too concerned with where he's at.
1: Fair. And uh, let's see, moving on, next item, we've got another rookie here, uh, Josh Doxson, Uh He was spotted today uh, in a walking boot, at, you know, as of Wednesday, this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, he's got th- this kind of nagging Achilles thing. Obviously, it's not like a torn Achilles, and the Redskins are contending that it, it has nothing to do with some sort of uh, setback that he's had. But at the same time, you just worry about, uh, the, you know, the Achilles is something where, if if it is to go, you know there goes his whole season right there. So I understand the Redskins being cautious with him, but at one point, do you, do you sort of parse out where they're being cautious versus this is a legitimate concern?
2: Now I just want to break this down. This was an injury that happened during training camp and like uh, off season workouts. It was not a college thing, correct? Right. Because you're the, I mean, you're one of the two rodeo wire college football experts on staff here. And I would have thought that, you know, if this was a lingering con- condition that had been happening in his college career, the Redskins might not have taken him number one like, in the first round.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, he got through the combine just fine in the, in the pro day. So uh, I don't think there is any any sort of indication that he'd have this uh, sort of nagging Achilles issue.
2: Okay. Well, then I think it's fine. I mean, I really liked him coming out of college. I thought he was the best receiver. Really, it wasn't even close. I'm not a huge Treadwell fan. Fair. And I I thought he was by far the best receiver. It was a surprise to see him to go to Washington. Mm -hmm. With Pierre Garçon's contract ending at the end of this year, I believe, it makes a little more sense that he'll be able to come in. It's a long-term move by them. Right. Fantasy-wise, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would really be taking him higher than the eighth or ninth round. And this is just going off the top of my head. Even injury or not, like I just think that there's a lot of different people on the Redskins, and I'm not a huge Kirk Cousins fans, anyhow. So Jordan Reed, Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garcon—I mean, you got a lot of different names in there besides. And I'm not sure dachshund's gonna be really one that I, I want to worry about as an Achilles injury. Dynasty-wise, that's that's a big deal. But if they take it slower, he should be fine.
1: Right? You know, it's a, it's a matter of him, you know, being healthy when Week One rolls around, but at the if if he really doesn't do anything during the preseason uh then he's probably just pretty much off my, off my board because mm. you know we're we're talking rookies here we're talking about guys that that need to get acclimated need to get snaps just need to get work even if they're not working with the with the number ones you know so not only would he be buried behind Garcon, Jackson, Jordan Reed to begin with, he'd also be kind of setting himself back in in terms of just learning the speed of the game, getting acclimated. I think that's just so pivotal in your rookie year to to sort of uh, be able to to get get the uh, necessary reps. And if if this really does kind of drag on, I'd say a couple more weeks uh, of just like, I mean, I don't know if he'll be in the walking boot for a couple more weeks, but if he's still really limited, uh, and we're talking mid-August, then I'm going to start to be a a lot more concerned.
2: That's true. I mean, I was only thinking dynasty keeper uh, leagues, but you're right. In the standard format... He would probably be a late-round flyer for me, and I don't think people would be taking him that low. They'd be going higher than that, especially if he didn't perform in the preseason. That's a big red flag for me. Huge. Okay, so next up on the list, Jamal Charles. It was announced no timetable has been set yet for him to come off the pup list. So he had an ACL injury last year, blew it out. He's out for the season. That's the second one in his career. Do you feel like this is a, a little bit of a warning sign for people drafting Jamal Charles in the late first, early second round? Like, hey, stay away?
1: Yeah, with with him, it's tough because you know he came back so well from the first one, and the, I think you know I'm no I'm no doctor, believe it or not, really? but uh, <laughs> but uh, I follow several of them on, on Twitter, and you know they they sort of they didn't say like oh yeah, we called that J- Jamal Charles is going to rip up his other ACL, but it, it's not completely uncommon for a player to come back from from an ACL and then uh, just the other leg, the other ACL just doesn't really. Um, I guess stabilize? respond yeah it doesn't stabilize the same way um it's sort of it's sort of just like a uh there's one you know like the Newton's law of physics with the <laughs> you know uh re- equal and opposite reaction uh it just doesn't work out so well with the other knee sometimes, so I mean. This doesn't totally scare me at this point. I mean, we—he's an established veteran. They're not going to rush him back. I'm sure he's—he's he's doing uh, training on the side, uh, to you know, trying to get it all rehabbed. So I'm not totally worried about Charles yet. Um, you know, you're, you if you're if you're thinking about getting him in the late first, early second, you already knew that he had this torn ACL. Right. I don't think the pup list really swings me completely off of that. If I was already. T- starting to target him there
2: okay so one i don't want you talking science ever again that was terrible on yeah this on this podcast i can't handle any more newton's law kind of thing <laughs> i don't want to hear about psa pressure whatever you need in the football <laughs> take science out of this please for the love of god that being said i really think that uh you know i like jamal trials we've talked about before i think that he's still a candidate for the first or second round kind of area that being said i, I think that This kind of reminds me of the Arian Foster situation. We've seen the back end of that play out now when he signed with the Dolphins, and now we don't know who's going to start, like if it's Ajayi or if it's Foster, if it's Drake, or if it's like, uh, I don't know, like Drake's mom. I'm not sure. (laughs) We just don't know because Foster isn't healthy or doesn't appear to be healthy. I have a feeling the same kind of thing is going to happen with Charles. I, I don't know his contract situation off the top of my head, but I could easily see the Chiefs saying, okay, bad year, good year, whatever. We cut him at the end of this year move off past the money, and we'll give it to Spencer Ware, we'll give it to Charkandrick West, and we'll let them handle it. And then Charles is kind of floating in the wind until beginning of training camp, and we just he won't be the same. So yeah. this might be your last year, fantasy owners, are taking advantage of a Jamal Charles kind of type of player.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that, in, especially in terms of the the contract uh, situation where they're, they're not get I mean, running backs as it is – have, right. a, have a tough enough uh, go with get with getting contracts in their mid to late 20s. And especially, you know, Charles is, is about as talented as any running back as we've seen in the last five years, but two ACLs, those are two huge dings against him. So we'll see how that all plays out over the next couple weeks. Uh, and then slightly lesser big news, this is more just sort of pecking order, house cleaning type deal. Uh, Robert Turbin cur- currently sitting at number two on the uh, Indianapolis depth chart behind Frank Gore so he's ahead of uh Jordan Tobman and uh rookie Josh Ferguson. Do you have any reaction to that? Do you do you see that uh pecking order maybe changing during camp or do you think that Turbin is a guy that you're you're kind of interested in now given that Gore is uh just so aged.
2: Here's my reaction.
1: I'm sure the listeners feel the same.
2: Like I don't I don't care. I don't care about the Indianapolis death chart. I Frank Gore is going to be there. He's like uh I don't even know what's a nondescript utensil that you would use in the kitchen. like I'm just thinking like he's a fork like
1: right? a slotted spoon of sorts. No,
2: Anyways. that's even more exciting because he's got little jagged edges. I don't I, like Gore <laughs> just is there. I don't I don't yes, I'm gonna use the fork. I'm gonna use Frank Gore in my fantasy league. He's gonna be like an eighth or ninth round guy and he's gonna get six hundred yards and eight touchdowns. That's just how it is um until he finally goes off into whatever veteran running back landscape that they just go and relax like off to the pastures kind of thing I, Robert Turbin, I'm sorry Robert turbin is was really good that's that's an overstatement i really feel like robert turbin was okay i <laughs> yeah. would love to be described someday as an okay nfl player but robert turbin was okay with the seahawks he has not really not nondescript for me so right. I, to me this is not a big deal i mean we're really gonna be focused on andrew luck ty hilton dante moncrief and you know dwayne allen those are the fantasy guys for me frank gore is there uh robert turbin is there fergie ferg is there it, it's not a big deal to me.
1: Yeah, i th- I think uh, I think we're pretty much in agreement on that one. Nothing, uh, nothing overly exciting uh, going on in their backfield. I mean, even if you get a guy like Gore, it's you're not super pumped about it. In all likelihood, that's probably a scenario where you've just gone so heavy on receiver for your first several rounds. You're just like, uh, I need a guy with carries.
2: Yep, and that's that's basically what it is. All right, so moving on to our probably potentially favorite segment of the day. It's great. Uh, the Trent Richardson. Hall of Fame watch.
1: Oh man, uh, we took quite a hit this week on the on the Trent Richardson <laughs> Hall of Fame watch uh, committee. You know, we're sitting here, we're getting all excited about his his uh, his run to glory after after a few sort of lost years, a very rocky start to his career. Uh, he was going to come to Baltimore and he was going to just win the job and and just come out and really just kind of be that guy that was deserving of a top five overall pick in 2012. He got cut, though.
2: We don't deserve a hero like Trent Richardson. We don't. But we have him. Or we did. He's After the hero the we need. Yes. But, and, and that's probably fair. I mean, I know we're all joking aside here, but uh, Trent Richardson, he had that one glorious, glorious year when he was the number three overall pick with the Browns. He did amazing things. Just took him a lot of carries to do amazing things. Yep. And we're, we're seeing that now with the Raiders and with the Colts and even in the third string battle with the Ravens. Richardson just can't wait, despite how in shape he was coming into this. Right. He uh, didn't make it very long into camp.
1: Yeah, so, some injury stuff happened there, and, you know, after a certain amount of time, the Ravens' backfield is already so crowded with mediocre running backs. You know, they're like, oh, well, this is a hurt mediocre running back that we don't have to pay very much. So there's the door. Uh, catch you later, bud.
2: Yeah, and we did invest a high draft pick in him like just about everybody else on the staff. So right. I can absolutely see why Richardson was uh, showed the door and— Probably was for the right cause, too, honestly.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, so, you know, bottom line here, Trent Richardson Hall of Fame watch this week, uh, we're trending downwards. We're definitely
2: going to be updating it, though. I mean, I see some very important Trent Richardson news happening as the season progresses, whether it's what he eats at McDonald's or uh, how he does in the— a DJing bar. I have no idea. I have no idea what Trent Richards is going to do now that he's not the third string running back for the Ravens. I
1: I don't know. Picture surfaces of him wearing a football helmet with like the two beer cans (laughs) on the sides. Oh, man. He's just watching Just hydrating.
2: (laughs) I feel like he's definitely due for one of those ESPN commercials that's like, hey, remember when I was great at Alabama? And then it'll be like turning to, I don't know, Eddie Lacy, who... It could very well be down that road, like, next year, be like, yeah, those were great times, and then we turn to somebody else, and they're all talking at the couch at the same time. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I can absolutely see that happening. Almost like a washed-up Heisman House type of deal. Yeah,
2: basically, <laughs> basically. All right, so um, this was a segment that I thought up of on the airport, on the airport, I think on the airplane, uh, yes. while I had left the airport, thank you, Joe, for being an <laughs> idiot, Um <laughs> And I honestly don't know how it's going to go. I mean, we, we talked about it. We never really practiced it. So oh, yeah. I know this lead-up is really great. The listeners are going to be really excited for something <laughs> like this. But uh, it's a game that I'm going to call Fantasy Tunes, where John and I pick different songs, whether we like or dislike, and kind of attach them to players in fantasy football. It can be based off of a lyric, like one line in the song. It could be based off of how you feel about the song entirely, whether it's a good song, bad song, and whatever. Yeah. Um, We'll go ahead and read the song name, the artist that did it. We cannot play it, you know, due to a lot of work really on our end. We're kind of lazy, if I'm being
1: honest. Just a bit.
2: Yeah. Uh, And then we'll kind of break down what we're seeing with this. So I think we'll go me, you, me, you. Is that okay with this? Sounds good. All right. So I'll start out with... One of my favorite, just kind of gross rap songs uh, <laughs> that I just, it's like a, a dirty secret that I like to play. So Boom from Nelly. All right. Here Comes the Boom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is a pretty self-explanatory one for me, but it's Eddie Lacey that is lowering the boom in this song. True. I know that there's uh, some concern, like Eddie, Eddie let down a lot of people last year. Mm-hmm. We had, we had Tubby Gate 2015, where <laughs> Eddie showed up just a tad bit overweight, like yeah, you know, you know. 40 to 50 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> And that really hurt because he was being taken high first round Yeah, and he, he did not perform like many other running backs in the first round, but he did not perform. I'm back on the Eddie Lacey train. Regardless of P90X, regardless of looking fit coming into camp, I really think Eddie's got a shot. Now, prior to Tubby Gate, we had over 1,100 yards in back-to-back years. We had over 20 catches, had a combined like 684 receiving yards. Lacey is a focal point of the offense, and with Jordy Nelson back, with Rodgers hopefully doing Rodgers things, I don't know, um, I think Lacey has a real shot to bounce back in those numbers, and considering he's being had in the mid-second round for ESPN ADP, that's terrific value for me. Like I think he's a late first-round candidate, depending on if you want to go receiver or tight end, whatever. I think that he could fall into that mix, and I've only heard where he's dropping down in this, and I think that's that's not good news. Except for fantasy, in to take it, Lacy.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you you're basically saying here your main premise. Here comes the boom. The boom is coming, and the boom is Eddie Lacy.
2: Boom is Eddie Lacey. That's there. We go. Right.
1: I like it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with with mine. It's not the strongest song choice, but this is our first time running through this segment, so I kind of had to throw some get me over uh, fastballs. You know, just That's to fair. just to get one. Uh, so you know, we got Don't Stop Believing and by Journey. And I, I look at this two ways. You can either look at it as a don't stop believing, as, as in a guy uh, that has a, a, a kind of checkered injury past, but you still feel like he's going to get there, he's going to make it, or uh, we're talking about a guy that's played out, overplayed, but somehow still has value, still is popping up everywhere. Okay. So f- from the first uh, way of looking at it, I, I look at the Brashad Perriman, Kevin White, uh, type of angle where you know these are guys that were taken in the first round they have so much upside their college tape is just outrageous but neither them played a snap uh last year and for me this is this is very tough because the the reports on them have been relatively mixed to this point in camp I, i'm pretty sure but am i am i going to stop believing in them not quite yet oh okay. not quite yet really Seriously, yeah. I mean, I mean, at least in, in the case of of really both of them, actually. Uh, Kevin White. I mean, if if his uh, leg thing, you know, ends up being all right and he can get on the field, I think him being across from Jeffrey, that's going to be pretty serious. Uh, I, you know, I had a lot of faith in that coming into last year before, you know, ultimately he was put on IR. Perriman is another case where if he is healthy. He can be he can be a difference maker in that offense, given you know the sort of lack of talent uh, that I'll, that's around there. I mean, Kamara can I like him, but you can't get overly excited about him. Uh, I'll never discount Steve Smith because I don't want him to beat me up. Yeah, that's true. But uh, you know we do have a 37 year old coming off an Achilles tear facts only just saying yep. um and then as far as like the overplayed guy that that's still hanging around uh he's a guy that we mentioned earlier here on the pod Frank Gore he really he, he to me embodies don't stop believing you're a little bit tired of it you've heard it all before you've seen it all before but it's not really going anywhere still still a relevant thing uh that you have to uh deal with on a on a semi-regular basis so that that's kind of my feeling on those guys those are my don't stop believing uh candidates
2: i'll add one more way to look at this don't stop believing line cuz It's very good uh, what you did there, but we also have to factor in the overplay at weddings. Like, I've been to two weddings in this last month, and I can tell you that Don't Stop Believing hit both of those. And when I'm thinking of one-stop wonders at a wedding, I'm thinking Rashad Jennings. I think Rashad Jennings has one good week. Everyone's like, oh, my God, give me Rashad Jennings. (laughs) I need that. And then you're like, wow. Wow. What mistake did I make for the rest of the season, whether it's your fab budget, whether it's taking Rashad Jennings in anywhere past the 15th round? To me, that's like, that's the don't stop believing for Rashad Jennings.
1: Okay. I'll take that in terms of that song, but I got to say, Journey is not a one-hit wonder. Just putting that out there. No, no.
2: I love Journey. I understand that. And I also love the song, too. But I'm saying, at weddings in particular, I hear that all the time. And then I'm always questioning, why the heck did that end up being at a wedding? That's, mm-hmm. that's where I'm going. All I right. gotcha. So talking about songs that question why we're even bringing up in the first place, uh, I'm ready. I'm here. I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm fine with that. I like it. As I was listening on the airplane, <laughs> not airport, 8th um, World Wonder popped up, on my, <laughs> <laughs> popped up on my soundtrack. And I was like, you know what? This is a great song. I don't even care. I love it. Kimberly Locke, thank you very much for bringing that into my life. Uh, When I'm sad, when I'm just kind of huddling in a corner, just thinking about my poor fantasy season from the year before, I will play that song. It makes me feel better. So I first needed to embarrass myself. I just had to bring the song into play. Uh, and then I was thinking, how can I actually make this work for our segment? Sure. Okay, so I went to look at the FBC rankings and uh, the ADP. And Ezekiel Elliott, our boy before, hamstring injury and all, was listed as the eighth uh, eighth player. So oh. he's my eighth world wonder. I love Ezekiel. Um I actually took him in a different league that we're going to talk about just a little bit later on. I think that he's got a lot of potential behind the Cowboys' offensive line. I'm not thrilled with Alfred Morris. I'm not thrilled with Darren McFadden. I'm not thrilled with Kellen Moore, and I'm not even sure how that factor, factors into this at all. But sure,
1: you throw that
2: in there. Yes, yeah. So I think Ezekiel's got a real shot to to be successful. I just know that Darren rushed for over a thousand yards, and Darren is a broken bus. I don't, right. I don't know how else to put it. Like I just, He's just never very healthy, and he was with that. So I can only imagine as long as Ezekiel can get past this hamstring injury and Ezekiel can get past whatever this domestic violence thing is, which is a very serious thing. Like that's a big deal to me. Uh, If he can get past both of those, he's definitely worth a first-round pick, and he should be much higher than eighth overall.
1: I like it. I like it a lot. Um, You know, uh, the song, you know, it's a bold choice by you to go on air and and go like that. But you know what? I think you uh, think you played it really well. And, you know, it's no secret that I'm all in on Zeke as well. So I'm picking up what you're putting down, man. Um, My next song is uh, Won't Get Fooled Again by the who uh staying with the classics uh this week
2: i'm disappointed you didn't make a fool of yourself in any of these i'm just saying that right now this is <laughs> very saddening to me after i just laid down the eighth world wonder law like come on
1: all right i guess i'm gonna have to bring in some michelle branch uh, action next That's week or something here. yes thank all right you. guaranteed next week will we'll be of that genre or some jewel <laughs> something like along those lines you know maybe who will save your soul that will be one for next week okay. absolutely um but so won't get fooled again uh, after like the classic scream by, by uh, Roger Daltrey You know, they kick back in Meet the new boss, same as the old boss Here we go uh, Arian Foster, that, that era is done in Houston Long gone And now we got the new boss The new boss But is he the same as the old boss? Lamar Miller, I'm talking about him Because we might be seeing a guy that, that is just put in like in an awesome situation where he can sort of be that Arian Foster 2.0. I mean, he hasn't gotten uh, the gaudy catch numbers that, that Foster has put up uh, or put up in his peak years in Houston, but Lamar Miller's a guy that's only 25. He's shown the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, I, like the, I like the idea of him uh, being the, the featured back in that offense when Brock Osweiler is the quarterback. They're probably, you know, going to be leaning on the run a pretty fair amount. So I think Lamar Miller is the new boss here, and I think he's the same as the old boss, if you think of the old boss, as good Arian Foster. I like this.
2: I like how this worked. I mean, because Arian Foster was great for so many years in fantasy, whether it was PPR or standard. He was terrific. And Lamar Miller could easily have that same kind of impact for fantasy owners. Like, he's mid-first, late-first kind of range for standard league, and uh, I think in PPR he's He's probably around that too, or I messed it up somehow. That's probably what happened then. <laughs> Pretty consistently messing things up nowadays. Anyway, um, I, Lamar Miller, to me, is a great person to invest in um, this year when you like when we're a little low, lower on him. And yep. then when he goes ahead and gets 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns, then he's going to be far too high coming into drafts next year. True. So the new boss, to me, is going to be just as good as the old boss using your, your music analogies right now.
1: There we go. I like it.
2: All right, so for my final song for our Fantasy Tunes game today... Uh, I'm going to a great rap song. I I don't even think this is bad. I won't even knock it. No, this is a classic. Yeah, this is a classic. Eminem, Lose Yourself. Uh, I'm just thinking of the very first verse. Like when I'm getting jacked for something, I'm ready to write a really, really good note, I put on my Lose Yourself. There we go. I get into it. I look at the, you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you wanted in one moment. Would you capture it or would you let it slip? And I'm thinking, I'm not going to let this slip. I'm going to write this note really, really well. Jeremy Langford, you cannot let this moment slip. I need you to make sure you don't let this moment slip. You know, he's the starter for the Bears right now with Matt Forte leaving for the Jets. We have Kadim Carey behind him. We have Jordan Howard behind him. We have God knows who else behind him. Jeremy Langford, it's time to shine. I understand. That you were not very good in the YPC category last year. 3.6. That's pitiful. That's gross. (laughs) I get it. You never rushed for over 100 yards last year. I get it. Even with Forte gone, that's a little sad. We have a problem. But I just think back to that Rams game last year where he totaled 182 yards. He had two touchdowns. He had like 10 catches and he had like 14 carries. He was amazing. If Jeremy Langford of that Rams game can come for at least even half the season, he's going to be providing very big uh, fantasy dividends for people that draft him in the fourth and fifth round. And I really think that he's got a shot. All I'm going to say is, Jeremy Langford, please do not blow Mom's Spaghetti.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, as someone that works in the office with you, Joe, I just want to tell the the listening public that uh, Joe's uh, Mom's Spaghetti does not end up on his sweater uh, nine times out of ten. <laughs>
2: nine times out of ten. <laughs> I try not to. It happens occasionally. I just got to crush those notes. That's all I think about. It's my one shot, my one opportunity.
1: <laughs> all right. Yes, that was, that was tremendous. Um, moving on to, to, I guess, my last song. Uh, Staying classic again this week. So that, that is officially my theme of the week. Um, going with some Bob Dylan. Going with some Like a Rolling Stone. Opening verse, if I may read it, I'm probably reading it about as well as Bob Dylan sung it, (laughs) you know, not even tooting my own horn, Bob Dylan even could admit that, but um, once upon a time you dressed so fine, threw the bums a dime in your prime, didn't you? People call, say, beware, doll, you're bound to fall. You thought they were all kidding you. You used to laugh about everybody that was hanging out. Now you don't talk so loud. Now you don't seem so proud. Yes. About having to be scrounging. Your next meal. That's it. So that that really spoke to me as, as sort of a who's a guy that that was like you know hot you know what a couple years back you know this guy had the world uh, on a string and now like where has he been he's 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 switching teams he's like getting cut getting picked up getting barely used um, for me Vernon Davis. Stuck out at first, mm-hmm. you know, because his his downfall has been pretty precipitous. I mean, but at least in his case, like he had a very excellent prime, really good career. You know, this is understandable for a guy that that's his age. But I think it, this really sticks to Alfred Morris a lot, you know. And now, now that you got Zeke and McFadden banged up, this may, this may sound a little bit dumber coming from me, but Morris is a guy that do you remember? You know, RG 3s rookie year. Oh, yeah, I mean, he was like oh, man, they're running the read option. Like, Morris is just getting all these great carries, and, and, you know, Griffin with the sleight of hand is just faking everybody out, and, you know, Morris is getting all these, like, awesome lanes to run through. And then, you know, he gets basically benched for, you know, some late-round rookies last year. Ba- barely
2: Cole McCoy, too. Let's not forget that. I mean... Absolutely.
1: Oh, yeah. I think Colt McCoy fits, the, fits uh, this the RG, narrative.
2: For the RG3, I was saying, I thought you were talking about RG3 getting benched. My
1: fault. Oh, sure. Yeah, there, there is that element. I think RG3 definitely fits the bill uh, as far as the like a Rolling Stone is concerned, although I do feel like he he should land on his feet in Cleveland, at least I hope so at this point. But uh, yeah, Morris is a guy that, that I think uh, definitely fits the bill as this Rolling Stone, uh, really just kind of a, a very quick uh, outhouse or penthouse to the outhouse type of uh, career rg you know, Alfred
2: Morris is an interesting case cuz he quietly had over 1000 rushing yards in each of his first 3 seasons. We had that awesome RG3 year, but even before or like even after that, he was he was pretty successful. He right. wasn't anything in PPR, which is why no one really looked at him, but for basically what Jeremy Hill is now, I mean, he was just a grounder, get the yardage kind of thing and get the touchdowns. So Alfred was successful in that sense and he was always something you could count on later on in the rounds like 4th, 5th and be like, "All right, I'd plug and play kind of thing." Sure. That wasn't the case last year. And, I mean, it's interesting that you pick a new redskin and an old redskin for this. Because right. Vernon Davis was similar. I mean, fantasy purposes, he was the stud for a little while. Yep. It wasn't Gronk blowing out his knee. It was uh, Vernon Davis doing things in the field. So I think this, this definitely works in my mind. And I also think both are done. Like, I just don't... I don't believe in Alfred Morris, even behind the Cowboys offensive line. I don't believe in him. And I certainly don't believe in Vernon Davis and whatever he's going to do with Kirk Cousins, who I also don't like. So, right. you know, I think that uh, in both cases, these guys are probably on their last contract or close to it, if nothing else. think so, too. All right. So we've broken down the news that's happened, taken place. We've... Done our good old uh, Trent Richardson Hall of Fame watch, and we went through a really pitiful fantasy tune segment <laughs> where we both tried to sing, rap, read lines that didn't quite make sense for two white guys.
1: Yeah, no, a um, little bit of a bumpy start there, but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. All yeah, right. all
2: right. So we'll go down to our bread and butter uh m- I'm going to be in fantasy leagues every week, I think for the next month. So we have a lot to talk about. I'm never really one to like listening to somebody's league. That's not really my thing when I'm listening to podcasts. So um, I'm going to try and steer away for that best I can, but I just participated in the auto new draft draft. Rotal wire one, so it's it's kind of like a dynasty keeper league. Um, just breaking down some of the rules, each person has a $400 budget, so this is an auction league. You can use that money on free agency throughout the year, so you don't want to necessarily spend all that f- $400 right away come the auction to start. Um, we have a 20 player roster, and the cool part about this is that you can keep players for, how many, for however many years you want. So um, uh, we'll go through this a little bit more, but I spent $75 on Marcus Mariota. I'll have him for $75 next year, depending on if somebody bids him up during the offseason program. I don't really know a lot about this. This is my first time being a part of this kind of draft, so I can't really tell you what's going to happen during the offseason, how the prices uh, inflation it inflate. I right. don't know the right word for this right now, but moving up, I can't really tell you that. All I can tell is I think this is a good way to look at some – auction value both for standard and dynasty purposes in case there's a few listeners out there that are breaking it down and preparing for that this is a good way to go ahead and look through it a little bit so um we had about half of our teams drafted there's some mechanical issues that were taking place so we couldn't get through all of it we're going to start it up again tomorrow around nine o'clock. Don't know why the time matters for the listeners, but
1: I need to immerse you guys in what's happening. So you know what Joe's doing at nine in the morning. (laughs) Well, no,
2: it's nine at night, but yeah, I Oh, even better. I'll be studying at nine in the morning. I should be doing other stuff, but I'll probably be studying. Um, So we had a a whole bunch of players go down uh, in this draft so far in the auction league. And because it's a basically two PPR league where we can start another quarterback quarterbacks really went off the board right away there was a lot that were thrown out there we saw Andrew Luck go $84 Aaron Rodgers $80 Cam Newton 78 I thought that was pretty good prices for those and they were all right away in the beginning so we all had a bunch of money to spend and we didn't want to spend it right away right that's kind of that's and I've never done an auction league before so this was kind of a new experience for me and we broke it down that way. There's a couple of other interesting numbers I know Mario, you, or sorry, not Mario, John, you have in front of you. I'm just looking at Mario spending a whole bunch of money on one particular receiver. Yeah. Is there any of these that you that do you stand out in front of you? We'll go through my team in a little bit, but just any numbers that you see like, oh boy, or oh wow.
1: Um, I'm interested that, that Drew Brees was the, what, the fifth most expensive quarterback taken. Uh, I mean, I think that that's, that's the thing where I would imagine that per, that drafter's strategy is probably to not retain him uh, for too for too too long, you know. And, and in this case, you know. You I totally get why Andrew Luck would be the most expensive because yeah. you know he's he's shown us in the past uh, just how good he can be. He's still getting better, in my opinion. I, I totally think last year was an aberration, so I definitely understand where he's uh, coming up as the number one quarterback. I, I just think it's interesting that Breeze is still uh, going a little bit higher in the auction than than guys like uh, Russell Wilson or even Ben Roethlisberger, who who you rostered. Even though I'm not sure the Roethlisberger uh, necessarily has. A ton of years left in his prime because he just takes so many hits all the time. But uh, for Breeze to be you know, like the fifth overall it was a little bit uh, interesting to me.
2: That was one of the big numbers that I was surprised with. Um, just for comparison's sake, Russell Wilson was $68, Blake Bortles $68, and Jameis Winston $65. So those were all underneath Drew Brees, who was $69. Um, I-, I would take all three of those guys, especially in a Dynasty League format, far above drew breeze obviously i was out of that bidding process right away but the other guys were pretty early on and i i just didn't want to commit that much money when i really had a love for marcus Mariota, right which i feel like was a mistake but we can get to that in a little bit um to me breeze is done in the sense that i don't think he has longer than two years i know his contract is going to be up either this year or next year um and i and i'm concerned that He'll just end up going to a different team that won't be fantasy impactful. That's what I'm concerned with, right? Drew Brees' contract is up this year, right?
1: It, yeah, it's it's nearing its end. I, I'm not sure the exact details. Uh, I'll look that up here in a second, but um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I see him like landing with another team per se, but I could see him uh, just the wall can can hit him pretty quick. Um, I'm not saying that he's. I mean Peyton Manning's like it's his own different thing because he had the neck fusion surgeries and all. Um, But what what I'm saying is is that Breeze is a guy that you could definitely see uh, taking that step down, and it happens before you even think, like well before you think it's going to. Like it's something that you're going to draft him at what his perceived value is, and then you're going to be stuck with him.
2: Well, I thought that was going to happen last year, and he ended up rebounding after like a really poor performance. But for me. I'm looking at like, okay, if we were to do this all again next year, would he still be the fifth highest quarterback? Probably not. Like, I don't think so. I think that you'd see, or I hope you'd see at least Blake Bortles or Russell Wilson or Jameis Winston or even a guy like Kirk Cousins. Again, I don't like him, but uh, if he would, they would actually go ahead of Drew Brees in this situation. Where I got Roethlisberger, I think he was like eight or nine, sixty-three dollars. I felt really comfortable with that. He was one of the guys I targeted coming into the draft because so I think he's got a few more years in him, like three or four, is, is as well. Thinking in in the dynamic Pittsburgh offense, I, I need a Roethlisberger kind of guy, if nothing else, because I'm waiting on Mariota to to be that man, that one person in shining armor that can count on each and every week. And I don't yep. think he's there quite
1: yet. Sure, yeah. So you know, that that's a really good sort of insurance policy because Roethlisberger is a guy that. I'm going for in a lot of just single-season formats because you, you just got to love uh, the support and Cassidy has around him. Even if Le'Veon Bell is suspended for a couple games, I noticed that you still weren't really particularly deterred by that. Um, Not
2: one bit. Not, and we've discussed like that, that before. I wasn't. I was not deterred at all. I, I've liked him coming out of Michigan State the whole time, so like it's not a big deal to me. The suspensions. I don't like that we have to keep dealing with it, but at least it's not like uh, you killed a person, Aaron Hernandez like <laughs> Sure. That, there's there, there's worse things than you know indulging in a few extracurricular activities outside of the football field. Right. Shows a bit of stupidity in my mind, but. Again, I'm not going to knock somebody necessarily for that. Before we go into Le'Veon Bell, though, I want to talk about two picks that I thought were on completely different sides of the spectrum money wise. And they're both from our college football dynasty expert, um, Mario Puig. I keep bringing him up on this because I, I think I respect him so much. That's why I'm bringing him on our podcast. He's a
1: brain. Yeah.
2: Julio Jones was the highest player in this PPR format league, he went for $100. The next closest player was Antonio Brown with 87. And then we had the Andrew Luck-Odell 84 range. So he, I mean, I'll say it. He grossly overpaid for Julio. And he said as much in the chats. He just loves Julio so much. To me, that was a shocking price to pay when we're seeing Antonio and Odell go in the mid to late, or like mid to late 80s range. I don't think Julio is that much better than Odell. Like, I, I honestly think that if I were to go and do this over again, I'm putting more money on Odell than I am on Julio
1: Jones. I think that, that Jones, when he's healthy, um, and it always seems like he he's not, like, you know, injury-prone to the extent where he's, like, missing half the season all the time, but it it always feels like, you know, his ankle or his hamstring or his knee just kind of bites on him a little bit, and mm-hmm. it, it takes him away from being completely 100%. But, I, you know, I, maybe this is just me uh, being influenced by Mario, but when Julio Jones is a hundred percent, uh, I don't know if there's a bigger physical freak in the NFL now, uh, at the wide receiver position, than Jones, especially now that Calvin Johnson's yeah. out of the league, um, for him to go $13 ahead of the, of the, of, of a guy like Antonio Brown, uh, when we're talking, you know, in segments of a hundred dollars here, I mean, he's spending a quarter of his salary. Right. Uh, or quit, you know and y- how much would you say that the general uh population in your draft w- was leaving for uh like free agent bidding
2: um I, well it sounds like it's going to be about 25 to 55 65 range I, we don't really quite know yet i know that i have spent the most money out of anyone in our league and that's because yeah i have not done a very good job of saving i just like really liking a few players um but I still have about $120 left and I have a, a roster of well looks like 15 that I need to fill out and I'm going to be peppering a few of the younger guys in the mix there but so I'm saying about 25 to 55 is what people are expecting to leave behind.
1: Okay, so you factor that in and you're you're I mean you you're really going all in with this. I mean Mario's definitely pushing his chips to the middle of the table saying I 100% believe that Julio Jones not only is going to be the best receiver this year but for several years to come and he's worth every penny of the one-fourth of my uh, entire uh, budget. Budget,
2: yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I'm I'm a little concerned because there could be a place where – Somebody tries to inflate his price and, and force Mario's hand. I'm not sure how that situation would be beneficial for him. But, you know, I got to trust his judgment for most of this stuff. I think sure. about physical freaks, and you're right. Julio is amazing. You look at a guy like Allen Robinson, who's 6'3 and just as big as Julio is, and he's got a young quarterback like Blake Bortles and a young dynamic offense that's still changing, still developing around potentially Allen Robinson. True. And considering he went $65, I mean, that's 35 less than Julio. That's a big—not a red flag to me, but like, okay— yeah, I'm not sure I would have valued Julio as high as Mario did.
1: Okay, that yeah, that's an ex. Yeah, uh, Robinson right there is a really good signpost for for wh- or measuring stick for for where you're really seeing uh, jo- uh, Jones versus Robinson here because yeah, thirty five dollars ahead of him that that really is uh, significant, yeah, especially when uh, Julio's you consider a player. Sure, but Robinson is is in that offense uh, that's. Exciting, and it you. We imagine it's only gonna get better. I think th- this is what is gonna be his third year, right? So, I mean, there, there's so much upside there, and Bortles is only getting better. I know some people uh can ding Bortles for for the catchability of his passes, this and that, but uh, I feel like he's a, he's an awesome option in terms of fantasy, yeah. So, okay, so we're breaking I mean, out
2: Mario. I get it with the Julio thing, like that's a lot to put in on one player in particular, looking at um. His roster after that. To build out when you're putting so much money on one player, you have to find smaller people. Now, he went pretty big in the college area, which we're going to get to in a little bit, but the one pick I really liked that he, I feel like, got able to sneak out of there was Carson Wentz for $30. Like, to me, that was a big deal because I really liked Carson Wentz. Out of the two rookie quarterbacks, Carson's by far my favorite. Okay. I do not believe in Jared Goff. I don't think he's going to be that good. And especially in the Rams offense where the offensive line isn't all that great. You don't have many receiving options, and if the offensive line isn't great, Todd Gurley might not be great. You're going to have a lot of pressure on Jared Goff, and I'm worried that it'll be a situation like Derek Carr was with the Texans when it first came in. He's beaten, battered, and has no one to throw to. Like That's a big deal to me. Carson Wentz, on the other hand, I think he's got an established, not established coach. I mean, Doug Peterson, this is his first year, but I think an established formation, established what we're trying to do on offense. Right. And he's got skilled people behind him. I mean, Jordan Matthews, we have Ryan Matthews, even a little bit of Darren Sproles mixed in there. Mm-hmm. There's Nelson Egler, their first-round pick last year, too. And, oh, they have 13 tight ends that seem to be productive every year, like Brett Seller and Zach Ertz, too. So, to me, uh, Carson Wentz is by far the better option, and he got him for only $4 more than Jared Goff. Now, both are in the bottom half of where the quarterbacks are taken, which I think was a mistake on all of our part. We should have probably bumped both those guys up a little bit more. Yeah,
1: just make them them sweat for it. Yeah, yeah.
2: you're right, but... And to me, Carson Wentz is a great buy, especially if you're Mario and You're like, okay, this might not be my year because I have a few guys I'm waiting on college wise. Mm-hmm. But boy, oh boy, I'm going to turn it up when it comes in two or three years.
1: Yeah, exactly. That yeah, he's uh, Wentz is definitely going to be a nice stash option, um, provided that he can he can really just kind of take this year to, to learn and not really get uh, just forced into it. Because I mean, he was a quarterback. He was a quarterback at North Dakota State. Like you know, there, right. there's going to be a pretty serious learning curve for him just in terms of learning this pro offense and and just kind of getting acclimated to it. Um, I know that Goff... Uh, himself has kind of looked a little bit rough in, in the practices. You know, I've seen uh several vines of him just kind of looking a little bit deer in the headlights ish.
2: That makes me feel really good of a Rams fan.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's very, very exciting stuff uh to just hear that your number one pick that you traded all the way up for is uh just not looking so hot so far. But yeah, I think I think Wentz is definitely uh the better stash play in this scenario.
2: All right, so we went through what I thought was a surprising pick and then a, a very good pick, or at least uh, money wise. I don't, like I said, I'm not going to talk about my what I was doing with my team very much, but I did want to break down my strategy a little bit. I was really just looking for value. As my first time auction league, I didn't quite know what I was looking for. Uh, you know, I need receivers or I need quarterbacks. So I was looking for value, and I feel like I found it in the running back spot. So I got Le'Veon Bell at $76 second highest running back in our league, and then Ezekiel Elliott at 65, which was the fifth highest. Now we still have a lot of people we have to go through, but most of the top tier talent's already been auctioned off. So I feel safe to say that those guys are going to be right around the, the top tier. Out of the running backs that are left or were auctioned, I like both of them a ton more than anything else that was taken like those were the two premier dynasty keeper league auction players that i won and i got them for prices that i felt pretty good if you contrast them to the quarterbacks
1: yeah especially and you also uh contrast that to a guy like Devontae freeman as well i mean you're getting uh levy on for two more dollars than him right yeah, you'll take that all day, and Elliott too. I think is a is a nice value at at sixty five. You know, fifteen dollars less than the highest price running back in Todd Gurley, uh, especially you know considering the team context in this scenario with with the line that he's going to be able to run behind. That's that's a really nice pickup right there.
2: I don't mind having to find a few running backs backup wise or other like college for the four games the Bell is gone. Like I don't that doesn't really worry me so much. I think that I now have two of the top running backs i have a quarterback at least one in that i can count on and i'm going to fill it out with the receiver i really feel like it's a deep thing we've been talking about that in our other leagues and especially for standard leagues receiver is so deep that i could get starters in the seventh eighth ninth round now i have little money to play with so i have to get creative sure Uh, guys like keenan allen or uh you know even amari cooper who i would have liked to have coming into this i'm probably not gonna be able to get but to me getting a top tier of running backs that I will have for four five, six, seven years, that was a huge deal to me. And I think that when you're doing your drafts as well, it's something you should look at adding for your squad.
1: No, that's a, that's a really good way of looking at it, especially uh, with how with how steep the drop off is at running back compared to wide receiver, you know, like you said, you can get a quality receiver for way less than than uh, some of these top guys, the prices that some of these top guys are going at, and you can get a guy like Keenan Allen or, or Golden Tate for for a pretty decreased price, and you don't have to worry about it so much, and you still feel like you're getting uh, solid returns on it. Whereas with running back, I mean, once you get I'd say it looks like the line of demarcation in this is really Adrian Peterson at 63, and then it drops down to DeMarco at 45. And obviously, he's on a team that just uh, spent a second-round pick on a running back. Right.
2: Right. I mean, absolutely. and. I think we'll see some of those rookie running backs start coming off the board in day two of this draft. I kind of like that (laughs) in day two on Thursday. We'll see more fluctuation, but I really do think that you're not going to see somebody go that much higher than DeBarka Mori at 45 with what we have remaining in the area. So, with a couple minutes left on the clock here uh, for our podcast, We have the unique aspect of the auto news that you can take college players and kind of sit on them for years. Their stats don't count for your team, but they're like a a stashed away spot. So, of course, Mario was really mining the the college field. There's a few other people that were chipping in. I grabbed Nick, Nick Chubb right away for $11. Right on. I need to go and just talk with you, pick your brain on a few other players that I need to be looking at for this draft because, to me, I'm really valuing receivers and I'm really valuing running backs. I can worry about the tight ends and quarterbacks later on but who are some really key guys in the college industry that i should be looking out for
1: um really kind of deep dive uh dynasty this this is a guy that is a true sophomore um he gets a lot of hype in sort of the the deeper draft twitter circles um this one guy I follow is is uh, kind of leading the charge on this guy. Uh, Darius Geis um, at LSU is a guy that you're going to want to keep an eye on. He's he's Fournette's backup, so you probably don't know a ton about him. Okay. He only got, you know, like 80 carries last year or something like that, but he I think he was averaging about eight yards a carry. Like I mean, the guy is some this guy, this one guy argues that he's better than Fournette. Wow. Right. And, wow. He's, and Fournette went for
2: $20 in our league. That's, that's a pretty high price for a, a college running back. I mean, he's not even going to be playing for an NFL team. $20 is pretty high. So you're saying he, he could be potentially better than Fournette.
1: That's what, that's what some people are saying. And, you know, I've been kind of going through writing up our, our outlooks for the college season. And I looked at, uh, at Geis's tape and it, it, it is really impressive for a guy uh, that's his size, that has the kind of shake and uh, flexibility. Uh, uh, he's a, he's a really impressive guy. So uh, he's he's someone to look out for. I think uh, Dalvin Cook. He's a draft eligible guy this this coming year. Uh, Florida State's running back. Uh, I'd say he's probably like the biggest or, or the best big play threat in the college game right now. In ter- from the running back position, uh, his speed is just like outrageous in terms of you know he gets the ball and he's gone it's really unbelievable to watch Uh, I remember just last year uh we're watching a Florida State game he rips off uh you know 30 yard run and then oh crap he's on the sidelines just (laughs) getting his hamstring like rolled out mercilessly on the table (laughs) and we're just like oh boy and then two two snaps later he's back in uh, you know running off the off the left tackle for a touchdown like yeah he's
2: a heisman Trophy candidate I mean for this year correct
1: yeah and Florida State is is the kind a team that, that could compete uh, with Clemson for the ACC crown, and with that, uh, they, y- he should be able to be in that, in that conversation.
2: Is there any receivers in particular that I should be trying to focus on? We already had Corey Davis go off the board, but that really hasn't been a mind that's been uh, unearthed too much in this league, and that's probably going to be what happens. I, I don't imagine many of these guys are really diving too deep into the, the college area ranks, but I want to make sure I have the upper hand of Mario and I need to find some receivers.
1: Okay, fair enough. Uh, As far as receivers are concerned, some people uh, really like uh, Mike Williams from Clemson. Uh, He missed pretty much all of last year except for maybe the first quarter of the first game because he uh, fractured a a bone in his neck. Uh, Kind of a scary incident, but he's got serious, serious talent. He's a big guy, really fast. Uh, Pretty much everything you, you look for in a receiver and all... All signs are pointing to him being back healthy, ready to go. So he should he should be Deshaun Watson's top target this year. And Deshaun Watson, for my money, is the best college quarterback we've seen in a few you know pretty much since Jameis. So
2: oh, I was going to say before Andrew Luck. I mean, talent wise, is he better than Andrew Luck?
1: Or? Oh no, I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I'm not going to bury myself under that okay, take. Gotcha. <laughs> all right, all right, gotcha. But um, yeah, Watson. Watson's a guy. I was there for for his first game. Uh, Clemson started a fifth year guy that had just kind of sat on the bench for a while and then they were really struggling they bring in this true freshman and he starts dominating and then for whatever reason Dabo took him back out I mean Clemson really kind of had Georgia on the ropes in that game and and could have uh stuck with us but then it ended up kind of being the Todd Gurley game now I'm getting all sentimental yeah
2: Yeah, but uh
1: (laughs) but you know Mike Williams is a receiver that that you'd look out for um I have always had reservations about USC wide receivers.
2: Yeah. Marcus Lee is my favorite one that ended up being not very good, but I thought he was going to be terrific.
1: Sure. And, you know, Aguilar, I mean, it goes all the way back to to the Mike Williams. Oh, yeah. You too. know, uh, geez. Uh, of course. So they, lines. <laughs> so they have this guy, Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay. Yep. And he kind of looks like he's cut from a different cloth, you know, from these other guys, because he, USC's offense and just kind of overall talent isn't quite what it's been in recent years, but he really looks the part. He's a big guy. uh, just unbelievably athletic. Uh, He's just, I mean, he makes a play every week, it seems like, where he's just completely embarrassing someone, probably to the point where they'd consider quitting football. Um, (laughs) So yeah, Juju is a boss. He's young, so you like that from a Debbie perspective. Uh, So he's going to be draft eligible this year. I see him having a huge year, despite the fact that Cody Kessler isn't back, so they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, Still kind of need to see how that all plays out, but... I have no doubts that, that Smith uh, Schuster is going to be a guide to look out for uh, this year and beyond. Give me
2: one quarterback before we head off. One quarterback that you think, okay, he's probably going to be a first-rounder next year, and he can't be named Sean Watson.
1: Okay, so if a first-rounder for 2017, not 2018? Yes. Not right. Hmm, hmm, <laughs> hmm.
2: I know I'm putting you on the spot here. We don't have this in the podcast notes. Uh, I'm just going off uh, of your knowledge that you can handle this one.
1: Okay. Uh, I think Brad Kaya is a guy that that is probably – he checks a lot of the boxes. For me, he doesn't uh, totally uh, bowl me over with his talent. But he's he's come into Miami, and he started from day one as a true freshman. He's impressed every you know every single game along the way, despite having a supporting cast that – is all talk and no actual sort of uh, substance behind them. A lot of guys that are just names that turn out to just be bums in my opinion but Kai is still a guy that he's very poised in the pocket he like he's he's kind of looked like a pro uh since his first game so he's someone that I'd be interested in um I notice here that uh you're pointing out uh Mario uh picked up Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame yep uh at five dollars I think the price is right there for sure because I mean he's basically taking a flyer kind of just a lottery ticket almost on, on Kaiser because Kaiser Um, I think he's a better NFL prospect than uh, Malik Zaire, who's the other quarterback on Notre Dame's campus. I'm... Pretty certain of that, just based on what I saw from Kaiser last year. But Zaire might be the better college quarterback, and that's the way it happens sometimes. You know, you have to understand uh, a coach will will like the way this a certain guy plays in a system uh, better than another guy. Zaire won the job last fall, uh, got his ankle just totally shattered against Virginia in the second week of the season, and that's that's where uh, Kaiser comes in. And obviously, he impressed Mario. Uh, He's got the frame, he's got the arm strength, he's got the mobility, so. those are, those are traits that you really like a lot. So with that, I definitely can get behind Kaiser kind of being a sneaky uh, late riser in the in the draft scene uh, coming up uh, next spring.
2: Very good. Well, I appreciate you giving me some insight on what I should be looking for, the college part. I'll update you guys uh, as best I can through Twitter. I'm not going to come back to this really too much on the draft um, day two, Thursday. If you guys are interested, we'll go ahead and break down Break down more drafts from either you or for me uh, yep. for the next couple of weeks, but uh, I think that's it. I mean, this is this is the end of our Wednesday fantasy football podcast.
1: It went swimmingly. Not surprised. Uh, you know, we broke in the new fantasy tunes. Trent Richardson Hall of Fame watch. Uh, yeah, I like the direction this is going.
2: Oh, I think it can only go up from here after what we just had for for all of these next minutes or whatever it was, yeah. (laughs) All right, well, uh, thanks for sitting down with me. Um, I will make sure I'm not going to leave you too often with the travel stuff, and we can continue doing this next
1: week. All righty. Until next Wednesday, uh, I'm John McKechnie, and that's Joe Bartell. See you guys next time.